Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mana on the Rocks. It is I, Joe. Joining me this week, as always, the guy who has his ringer on, Atlas. That's me. Hello, everybody. This week, it's been a minute. It's been a minute since we had someone on the show that wasn't us two dingalings. Uh, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Sam. Sometimes people on the internet call me Frosty or Frosty with an EH. I am a uh, Turbo Nas player out of Boise, Idaho. Turbo Nas, we don't we don't deal with y'all here. No, uh, we we wanted to bring Sam on to, to talk a little bit of shop, talk about the side of the side of the game that me and Atlas don't really find ourselves being in the driver's seat of. Uh, what better way to do it than bring on one of the best players who in this area that we know. Um, but speaking of knowledge, knowledge is power. Atlas, what kind of knowledge do we got to dispense to these people this week? Okay, so for announcements this week, uh, pretty straightforward. Um, for those people in the Washington, uh, Oregon area, the Gabby's Lumpy Cars and Comics is doing their uh, quarterly event on November 4th. That's this Saturday. It's a 10 proxy limit, so first time that they're doing that. Once again, print them out on cardstock. Um, come see us. It's going to be a really good time. Uh, we're going to have a lot of really good players there. So join us for that. And then in two weeks, we have our regional championships uh, hosted by PDX and CDH. It's going to be in Graham, Washington, 100% proxy legal. It's going to be a two-day event on the 18th and 19th of November. Um, and that's going to be, that's a, uh, that's a 1K. So uh, go ahead and show up and bring your best, bring your best deck, play your best magic. And we're looking forward to, to seeing some really awesome players who've spent a lot of time qualifying on the regional circuit and then also um and also uh some people who are just gonna like show up to try and redeem themselves after a couple losses but then um note on the note of circuits uh the last thing to mention is that eminence uh just recently officially announced that they're doing a national circuit of events um it's called top deck uh, or top deck gg uh that's their finder um but they're also doing a circuit for it where different tournaments will be able to register with them uh so that people playing in those events can score different amounts of points based on the sizing of the event uh and if you accumulate enough points um you'll be invited to a very special event it's like a it's like a 25k i think uh, it's gonna be for the 64 uh, top ranked players in the nation um, so go ahead and look for information on that for on Emin Eminence's page, uh, join the Command Tower server, uh, things like that. You can find a lot of information on it. Uh, that'll be a 10-month qualifier circuit. Uh, and that's, that uh, national event's going to be, of course, it'll be live-streamed and everything. Um, but that's going to be coming up. I think it's in next October. So look forward to that. It's going to be a lot of what we're talking about next year. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Speaking of talking about, we got to talk about the lucky patron this week. This week, the lucky patron goes out to Meow Sarita. Thank you for supporting us on the Patreon. Appreciate it. You should come on down. Get a drink with us. I don't want to drop one. 28. Very oh, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is. Are you, you're also a mid range player. I take it. I, I very much. I am the mid rangiest of players. I would, I'm like just shy of stacks. Okay. So my. This is going to hurt you then. I think that depending on. So the greediest of greedy decks that have all the reasons to do so i think can go as low as 23 and i think that the maximum that a turbo nas build should have is 26 lands um no i can believe that i can believe I that i mean that sounds right from the way that i've seen nas play it's just it's just one of those things where it's cringe yeah you won't catch <laughs> you, you will well, not catch <laughs> me doing that that is 100 percent facts i will i'll hopefully here i'm here to uh you know clear up a little bit it's not as crazy as it sounds mathematically you know it checks out 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that we were, you were helping me with uh, doing some work on my list with the math because you're really good at those, like running those statistics and stuff. And um, you, you were talking about like, like cutting down even how most mid-range lists or a lot of mid-range lists could afford to play just like 27 lands, even if they're not playing turbo lands. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head right now, but uh, fun fact for the deck builders out there, 27, 28 lands is actually where you really start hitting diminishing returns on like lands in your opener and just like curving out your land every turn. And so that's about, there's not really a math reason to run more than that. I guess if that makes sense, you will start like not really gaining consistency while losing valuable slots in your deck list. No, I think we've seen that take off a lot in the past like two years or so. Whereas like even just two years ago, people were on like 29 and 30 lands and they were like, oh, we don't want to have 28, 27. Because I remember, I remember seeing like a um, long time ago when I was playing like Urza and stuff, like that's a, a pretty fast deck as far as like you want to vomit your hand and want it to be a lot of like low cost artifacts and stuff and they were like oh we don't want to we don't want to go down to 28 lands because then we we lose those we lose those lands in our opener hand that help us cast these artifacts and you're saying that's not true based on the numbers yeah and so there's there's two big things about the commander format that turbo Nas gets to abuse uh, the first one is the life total, right? You start at yep. 40 life. Ad nauseum was never meant to be cast from 40 life. You draw way more, you know, than was really meant. <laughs> and the other part is the mulligans, where uh, in Commander, we get a way more powerful mulligan than any other format. And that means that we can be way more aggressive with our land counts, knowing that you can, you know, going to six is like one card generally doesn't make a difference over the course of a cdh game so i'm usually very happy with six or more and so you look and you're like oh well in your opening seven you're probably not gonna have that many lands but when you think about like the first three hands and especially when you know you're willing to go lower than that to four to five like you will almost always find a hand with the mana you need and that's the other key point is that mana and lands are not exactly the same thing how so can you break that down for us so I'll go a little deeper into it later, I think, but okay. there's a there's a big problem with lands. They have hidden text on them that I hate. They say once per turn, and <laughs> like that's that's a real downside that I think gets overlooked a lot uh, when people are are deck building. So what do you what do you what do you mean once per turn? Like the land drop or the activation? The the land drop where oh, if you okay. if your goal is to take as many game actions as you can, like you know, and the be as explosive as you can in the early turns, then those cards aren't, they aren't helping you. Um, mm. So we're, yeah, I'm gonna, we'll divert a little bit. So we're gonna talk about mid-range deck building for like two minutes here. Oh and baby, then, you come to then, the right <laughs> spot then. And then, yeah, and then it's gonna come back around later, when, especially when we get more into the land count and it'll all, it'll all make sense. So uh, mid-range deck building, like 101, the first rule is, maximize your card quality there's you know there's more nuance to it than that but uh if your goal is to beat people with card advantage which is how mid-range decks almost always win in cdh then a card you can't use is a card you didn't draw and like you know when you're digging off of heuristic or whatever on a combo turn you know you need that high density you need to be finding basically only interaction you need as few of your cards to be dead as possible right mm -hmm. and so turbo does not follow that rule exactly instead with turbo you are looking for permutations or combinations of cards uh, that will win you the game <laughs> it sounds kind of dumb 
Uh, but that's like really what it comes. It's really what it comes down to. That, like, that idea makes sense to me. Um, you want instead of highest card quality, where you're trying to average out the best turn you can over multiple turns, you just want one really really good turn. And a lot of times that can be with one land. To an extent, mid range or turbo is the most common time to win is like in the early turns. But really the decks aren't built to be just turbo as much as they're built to be explosive and they can really take advantage of any lull in the game state when other people you know might not be able to play so aggressively like right after a board wipe is a, a good one where mid-range players generally can't win from an empty board and so they have to take that turn to like recast their commander redevelop their pieces whatever and you can just like drop a dark ritual and adnos from you know two lands or whatever and win the game right there you don't need it's a really good point too because i've seen you i've actually seen you do this a lot with um with your your like your signature deck at this point i would say is anala it's like yes. your baby. I, I would <laughs> say so yeah i would say so um and i've seen you do that a lot where it's like um you kind of like you you have like maybe you have an early start but whether it's like you just kind of like you're sniffing out a counter spell or something it's like that you can't beat like i've just seen you like sit and wait and like take take that like Look for that window where you're just winning on top of everyone else because your deck can also do that where it wins at instant speed. No, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very similar philosophy to what I have put into Baby Pie, Sands Blue Creature Turbo, where like, sure, the deck can produce like a fast win. I'm totally okay with just sitting there and grinding and just like removing things on the board, but like my tutor density and the ease of access to my one card combos is so plentiful. I, I, I just need to look for the time. That's literally it. So I totally understand what you mean by like, you don't need like, you need these specific combinations of cards, but you run a lot of means to get to those cards or a lot of overlap with those cards that like, like you said, you're looking for that window and you're going to have a high percentage chance of doing that because that's what the deck is engineered to do. Yeah, exactly. As compared to like a mid-range deck where especially get to the late game and you're more capable of making your own window. You know, you've just drawn enough interaction that you can force something to resolve and it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. what your opponents have. You know, in a turbo deck, you don't have quite as much, you know, card run interaction. So you need to, whenever that window comes up, the deck needs to be ready to make a win attempt. Mm -hmm. And as a player, you need to, too. I think it's really important to recognize, you know, I've gone, I go for a lot of win attempts on like very, like seemingly odd turns, but there's a lot of times where I'm like, if this Dawn Waker player untaps, I'm not winning the game. Like, it doesn't matter, like, you know, what cards I draw or like, I'm, you know, unless they hit the absolute nuts, you know, if this Dawn Waker player untaps with their Seedborn Muse, like, you know, the Kenrith player untaps, like, I'm just not resolving a win con. It doesn't matter. So I go for the win, even if it's like, you know, a no mana floating Nas from 20 life or, <laughs> you know, that sounds awful. That sounds, that sounds, like, yeah, I mean, I get it, though. I get it. You got to take yeah. the opportunity to cast the spell when you can. Oh, one of my favorite plays is the classic Red Explore. Uh, cast Final Fortune, look at the top deck, and lose the game. Let's go! Because um, <laughs> I was gonna, I'm gonna ask you about those at some point. Uh, how Final Fortune effects? Oh, I I love them, and they're actually there. At least one effect I think is pretty core in a turbo deck. The two sorceries are a little more optional. So, as going going more into the deck building, so something that has been happening recently and that has been changing the deck building a fair bit too is wizards keeps printing op cards yeah um, they do that are really really blurring the line between like turbo nas win con and mid-range value piece um and the two cards that come to mind recently are talion and the one ring um both of which like if you resolve you 
generally are going to win the game, like with almost as much confidence as an ad nauseum. Yeah, no, I, I can, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm. And so that's sort of, that's taken turbo deck building in an interesting direction that again, we'll sort of, we'll, it'll all tie back into the mid range here at the end. Before, before um, we go any further, I just want to say that's what, that's what, four weeks in a row, six weeks in a row? That's one more for the counter. We yeah, no, it, put it, put a ding is somewhere in there. Like it that's, is, it is, it is up on the counter. It, like oh. we don't plan to mention how much we hate the one ring or like bring it up. Oh it no, just happen. It just I'm, happens. I'm, I'm not in on this. I had no idea. The one oh, ring no, is just no, a broken just, magic card. Yeah, like no, no, Sam had no idea. This is, yeah, this is the, like the fourth or fifth episode in a row where the one rings come up like almost oh, immediately well, on discussion. I. I'm it's sorry, so listeners. It's, it's so omnipresent. Yeah, sorry, listeners, but you're going to keep hearing about it. It's the new Nas. It's... <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll screw the diatribe of hatred this time. But no, I definitely agree with that. Like, they, it feels like they fit the very similar role of like, it's it's just the best value engine you can stick that will 100% either get you there or kill you. I have been in so many game situations where I look at my one ring and go, this is going to tick me for five on the next turn. I am at 15. Like, and there's creatures on the board that are swinging at me. This is disastrous. Like, Ancient Tomb, Mana Vault, One Ring is a, like, keepable, possibly game-winning three. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, oh, for sure. Like, it's for disgusting. Sure. It's like, it, it folds directly into the turbo plan. Um, I'll come back around to the mid-range and all of that, because, th like, that's new and that's current, and I'm still thinking and processing a lot of that stuff, too. So it'll be fun to talk about. But to start, I wanted to go over just some of the stuff I hear about Nas numbers that is uh, not quite true and sort of like clear some stuff up, I think. Oh, definitely. I think we'd all love I'm, to hear that. I'm definitely curious on this as someone who has hardly looked at Nas because I'm like, eh, I don't want to do that. Uh, I usually hear like 1.2, 1.3 as like you start to consider like Nas or like that's a really good Nas curve. And so, like that's where the fallacy begins is like mm -hmm. that number, I had a feeling. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep, yep. That number that you see at the bottom box that says you're using ad nauseum. This like makes you feel all warm and fuzzy when it shows you warm. Don't listen to this number. It's terrible. Um, and there's two reasons for it. So one, a lot of your deck's average CMC is determined by your land count. So since we've been cutting lands, <laughs> the CMC is going to go up like that. That's sort of just going to happen. Um, makes sense. Makes sense. The other, I guess maybe the, even the more broad thing is that the goal of ad nauseum, this is going to be one of those dumb things that's going to make sense. Uh, the goal of ad nauseum is not to draw like any specific amount of cards. It's to draw cards that win you the game. Mm. And, it, and it doesn't really matter how many cards those are, right? Like if you cast ad nauseum and you've flipped like Dockside, Thoracle, Consult, Force of Wheel, Fierce Guardianship, Blue Pitch, like, you know, those seven or eight cards, whatever, like, you know, boom, you've won the game. Like you don't need to do anything else. Um, so the example I always like to cite for this is um, Simeon Spirit Guide versus Rite of Flame. A lot of people will prefer, or they'll say Rite of Flame uh, is like the better card in a turbo deck, the better ritual. It's, you know, lower mana cost. It's a little less scary, da da da, three is more than two. Um, Simeon Spirit Guide is a significantly more flexible card though, where you don't need to channel it. You don't need a red to start. You're not locking yourself into two red. Uh, you know, doesn't trigger Ristics. It doesn't like, you know, works under rule of law, all sorts of good stuff. And so between all that, like Simeon Spirit Guide actually turns out to be the far better card in the deck. Like the one I would rather hit 99% of the time. Um, and also its ability to start from zero mana is massive too. So that also leads into 
like what are the other cards in your deck outside of the lands and those CMCs and average is sort of misleading here too because uh, average averages all of your decks so we're gonna go we've got the first deck list uh, Kali of the Vast if you guys want to check it out well you can actually actually all of them show this you can scroll down and like um, the Rock'sai has an average of 1.38 like these are higher than a lot of people would say is a good ad nauseum number but mm -hmm. Bryant Cook's Rock'sai list is probably the best list at winning off of ad nauseum conceived in the format like you know it's I could be wrong on that. I just made that up, but I mean, it's up I think there, right? A lot of people that know the name Brian Cook know that this guy is like the Storm player. Yeah, this guy is the Storm authority in Legacy, and he brought a lot of good knowledge and expertise in. I think when he was building his Rog list. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, Kalia of the Vast. This is my. This is one of my lists. I love it. It is one of the most fun lists to ever pilot. It terrifies everybody who sees it. Um. Yeah, pe uh -huh. pe people don't like ad nauseum when they have three eight drops and a doom whisperer and a bolus of citadel in their deck. It, that does strike me as a lot of life usage. Well, I, can, I, can I have a, I have an idea I want to put forward before you give us the explanation? Oh yes, yes, let's hear it. I think you're fine with that because you're you only need to hit one of these, right? That's the idea. Yes, that's half okay. of it. Okay, okay. So yeah, you're exactly right. Where going back to our philosophy, uh, we just need to draw cards that win us the game. And if Kalia is out already, and I cast Ad Nauseum, and I flip Razaketh, I just won the game. It doesn't matter that I just drew one card and took eight damage, you know, to do so. And the other part is that you should really care more about the median uh, mana cost in your deck, uh, which is mm, okay. math people. I see where we're going. You see where we're going? Yeah, do I need... Yeah. Educate us. Median who's listening, I'm sure. All right, so the median... So every, I assume people know average, right? Add them all up, divide them by the number that you have. Uh, the median is instead you organize them all, highest to lowest, and then you basically pick the number in the middle of that. That's going to be one in this deck, almost certainly. Maybe even zero. No, not zero. But yeah, it'll be one. And so most of the time you're gonna be taking on average one damage. It's just every once in a while, you're gonna get hard punished and take eight, but you'll cast tons of ad nauseums where you don't see any of those uh, beaters. And something else to consider is like, where are those cards going to be? This is similar with, you know, you can look at Anala. Um, there's some big wizards in there. There's a seven drop Scholar of the Ages. There's the Tekro Necro, there's four and five. But those are cards that in my game plan, I'm pretty actively trying to put in the graveyard. I'm pretty actively usually trying to tutor for one of these demons or dragons uh, to put in my head or I might entomb them. And so, you know, when all is said and done, like on average in actual gameplay, I'm not hitting these cards that often. And even when I do hit them, it's not necessarily stopping me from winning the game even. You know, turbo decks or ad nauseum decks have gotten very, very refined. Uh, generally a good rule of thumb. Most ad nauseum decks will win the game with 25 life Nas and one mana floating um, when you cast it. And it doesn't really matter even if you have these big beaters in there because like, you know, you've got plenty of life to spare. Most of the time you'll have more than 25 life when you Nas. Yeah, that strikes me as, um, it strikes me as really interesting because it's kind of the same thing that uh, I came across when I was running Math Retalion when that card was first spoiled is um, like on paper, it looks like one is the best number 
to name, but like then you look at the the gameplay and in practice, like all the developmental spells, things that people are casting proactively is two, and uh, most of the interactive spells are one. And so even though there's a lot of one costs and one numbers, they're also twos based on their mana cost or their power and toughness. And so like all those interactive spells at one, you aren't really seeing them until someone's trying to win the game. So yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. there's a huge difference there between like paper and practice. Yeah, and. So I did a little number crunching earlier. I'm going to stay away from most of the numbers. This We'll keep it like relative, uh, no spreadsheets. But, um, I, oh, I tweaked the deck a little bit, so now it's changed. But uh, when I removed the five cards we were just talking about, my four Kalia cheat targets and the Bolas' Citadel, uh, the average CMC of the deck, well, now it's a little off, but it dropped from 1.48 to 1.18. So now it probably drops to 1.2. And yeah, all of a sudden- not a, It's not a significant enough drop, I think right yeah it should be about the that should be about the same so i'm losing i'm going from like almost one point or over 1.5 to like 1.2 and then that's when you can sort of you're like okay we've eliminated some of the extremes you know that's actually a more accurate number to what i'm going to nas than the one point you know the 1.5 that's offset by these five massive outliers no but the 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 median thing you mentioned that it as someone who has a bit of a mathy background that just that just makes sense like i didn't i never even considered it that way because I do, I, every single time I've like considered Nas or I look at Nas, I'm like, okay, how many like big hits do we have? Uh, and yeah, it just, it makes sense. Like when the, when the vast majority of your CDH deck is like zero to two, you only, you're only on average going to have like a handful of cards that are like five plus CMC realistically. And for the most part, those are cards that you want to find. Like those are game winning, game changing game plan cards. Like they're, they're the reason you're in in your deck for, for in the first place. This is just a means to get to it. Oh, and you also get extra goodies along the way too, I guess. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head there where it's not like you run ad nauseum means you can't run these cards. It just means that there's sort of a higher burden on the card to mm-hmm. be good in the deck. It has to justify the high cost, but like there, I don't think there is like a CMC that is unjustifiable in a Nas list. Well, enter the 12 mana. Isn't enter 10? Nope, is it 12. I've never actually cast that spell for the mana, so hold on. <laughs> yeah, no, every single time yeah. I've seen the spell get cast, zero mana was usually spent on it. Yeah, that's true. I'm just curious about the justifications wow. for Nods at eight, 12. Eight and four blue, you know what? <laughs> Might be a little steep. <laughs> Might be a little steep, so. <laughs> Alright, yeah, we'll keep, you know, keep it to our eight costs. Yeah, okay, well, I'm kind of of the opinion that PETA is not a playable CDH card in 2023, and un- Enter the Infinite. I'm- is I'm curious. Sort of just worse PETA, so. I'm, I'm curious about the, the peer things, just a bit of a tangent, but because I know that like with Broodlord and stuff and everyone trying to up their card quality, I know that the card has actually picked up steam. At least I feel like. Yeah, so it does depend on your deck. Some decks do like do want it or uh, like do actually need that as like the combo outlet with Hoarding Broodlord. I think, so there's a couple issues. So the first one is that Ad Nauseum, has gotten better and better and better and people have gotten better at using it and more refined with the decks and it is if you're a skilled pilot it is almost impossible to whiff on an ad nauseum from like any reasonable life total if you you know play it properly and the other is that with the printing of obm is that do you guys have a dinger for that one too uh we, we, no, we, actually, we, we haven't actually had that many problems with obm in our area yeah, yeah. Have, oh my god dude it's my least favorite card like <laughs> Dude, I hate it so much. Yeah, I love it so much. Atlas resolves a rustic study. I go bow masters and we stare at each other. Yeah, and then no one else plays magic and it's not <laughs> even their fault. 
just a little bit. I'll uh, draw a card. Don't okay. take a damage. You know, what, if you guys, I'm gonna unleash the plague. All right. If you guys right. aren't, if you guys aren't complaining about OBM yet, then you guys need to tech in the imposter mech and start playing unobiumable OBMs. Oh no! Trust me, I've seen, I've seen it's, imposter mech. That card's disgusting. <laughs> I hate that interaction so much, dude. Oh, it's no, it's actually gross. It's so disgusting. OBMable OBMs. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. yeah, it's literally like that's one of the parts I hate the most is the gameplay loop of OBM. That the best answer to OBM is another OBM. But that's not true. The best answer to an OBM is an unobmable OBM. That's so it's yeah, that's super correct. It's like if you had a mental misstep that said the spell can't be countered. Like it's yeah. Anyway, tangent aside, um <laughs> I think between like Deflecting SWAT and OBM are two of the most played cards in our format, and both of them don't even stop you from winning the game. They just lose you the game in response to PETA. And so I think it's sort of a combination of like, I don't feel the need. I have not felt the need to run PETA in any of my decks for a long time. And like the punish, like the floor on the card is now, it's like dropping horrendously where it's like, it used to be, oh, your opponent draws a whole bunch of cards. Now it's like, oh, you get nuked. Someone else loses their whole board. It's and I don't. It just doesn't win you the game that, that much more often than ad nauseum. Like you know, if if theoretically Peta like approaches a hundred percent winning the game when it resolves, if you don't get OBM'd or swatted, right? Uh, but ad nauseum is still like above ninety percent, I think. And so, am I willing to pay two more mana at sorcery speed and open myself up to those blowouts for like five, six, seven more percent of winning? Like no. That's yeah. That's a really that's a really concise way to put it. I think that's a something that a lot of players need to consider like but i guess i guess my question is like is it worth it like to to run peer if you're playing like this broodlord combo or whatever um i think that that's a bit of a personal call it depends on how the deck is built and like what options you have because mostly is do you have other good broodlord combos um or yeah, well, are i you... can agree with that i can agree with that but it's also sort of like mo i think most people should because like once you do the saw in half part you just have two tutors that like you can and two like just floating black that you can do whatever with them. yeah yeah like i have never felt the need to cast peer off of broodlord when i was casting broodlord because literally like two tutors two black mana like one of them is realistically gonna be a sacrifice i'm gonna make eight mana off of this you can win the game so many other ways like you just use it as just a ritual outline you'll be just fine yeah if you cast if you just instead of getting pity you just tutor for ad nauseum and you cast ad nas with uh you know use burnt offering for your sacrifice and you cast mm -hmm. nas with two red and a black floating you almost certainly win the game like yeah mm -hmm. and you don't have to run you know bad card <laughs> wow wow <laughs> no I, I i can agree i think i think pre bowmasters i would have i would have fired back and tried to defend Peta a little bit but Post Bowmasters, I agree. Like everyone, that the card is—it's just omnipresent at this point. It's a card that you always have to be considering. And I, I don't want to cast Peter right now. I think Cassie into the Infinite is like, unless you're like, I guess you're in blues, so you're always going to have the protection against Bowmasters. But like, I don't want to cast either of those cards right now. They, yeah. they just scare me. Well, an OBM because there's no safety text on the card whatsoever has flash. So like, if you're playing blue and you bounce it, then they might just like OBM you right back and get another proc. Like, mm -hmm. the card it's a little. I promise. Sure. Sure. Disgusting. <laughs> okay, um, but moving on. So what's so what's the next step in in uh, Turbo Adnaz in Commander? So, yeah, we are slowly becoming more mid range, which sucks. Um, the mid range singularity, which, which sucks. It, it no, no, the mid range singularity. We are arriving. 
every every deck is just getting closer and closer to blue farm like it's not a good thing guys um so i agree <laughs> it's not a good thing <laughs> um, correct so at the beginning we talked about card quality and how you can't be drawing dead cards as a mid-range deck right yes mm -hmm. uh so you probably noticed looking at some of these lists the worst offender unfortunately is anala by quite a bit they run a lot of dead cards um yeah. it does not feel good to draw an opener with like finale of promise and like just a unearth and just like a hodgepodge of you know you draw all the reanimates none of the entombs like there's unfortunately the card quality in anala is not great um, i know that feeling well i'm not even an anala player i just know <laughs> that feeling yeah Oh, you said a uh, baby pod? So like, is that a Naya core? Are you like on a... Uh, so it is, it is, uh, it is blood pod, but like mid-range turbo. Essentially, I'm looking to just resolve any sort of value-y stacksy three drop, and then I will just find my tutor like forcibly and just get there. Oh, is it like a red farm? Like Tana Timna? Oh, uh, no, it's a, it's, it's Warnog and Max, the Stranger Things Oh, kid. fun. Because right. Warnog is a infinite outlet in the command zone, and Max is a oftentimes two or three cost three drop that also draws me cards. Oh, I'll have to peep the list. That sounds cool. I will, I will, I, I would actually, having this conversation with you, I would love to get your input, but that's, What's the that's, that's, I just want to, I just want to run against your eyes and see what you think. No, I am super down. Yeah, no, because I, I'm not... I like mid-range. I've always been like a mid-range player. Like I, my favorite deck of all time is like modern Jun, like Boomer Jun at this point, mm -hmm. because I want to go to every matchup as close to 50-50 as possible. I want the difference in my cardboard and your cardboard to be not super far apart from each other. And that trade-off is always, you're gonna, you're there. there's always gonna be a deck that's gonna crush you no matter what. In Jun's case, it was always Tron. You're always gonna have a hard matchup against Tron, but for everything else, in such a wide-reaching format, you were always going to have, like, a pretty fair shot. Like, you were going to beat your opponent down into fair magic, and then you're going to beat them up in fair magic because you're just better at them than it. But Commander has slowly turned me into a... Uh, I, I lean more on the faster side these days. I, I'm not really looking to try and make the games go long. I'm looking to... We got to speed this game up. We got to go a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. I want. I want to see. I want to see the sparks fly. Yeah, so I like I, playing magic, not watching people play magic. Yeah, well, I, I like watching people <laughs> magic play from time to time, but I... I get what you mean. So it's it's interesting because I, I definitely have had preconceptions on Nas, and I'm like this this all makes a lot of sense to me. And I, so my eyes are eyes are opening just a little bit. I'm glad I'm making sense. I've been uh... yeah. <laughs> no, no, the, everything everything I have heard so far has made sense to me. I just okay. So no, just being converted. I'm not being converted. <laughs> I'm not being converted. I might test it out, but I don't think I'm going to be converted. I think okay. Okay, so I, I, I think there's oh. one card that you don't run ad nauseum with. Uh -huh. Protean Hulk. Yeah. yeah. Do, do, do not yeah. pull Protean Hulk package cards with ad nauseum. Yeah. That is no, that is I, a non-bow. I'm not on Hulk either. So okay, that's good. Cool. all good. Oh yeah, then, um, then slam the Nas. Put it in. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> this is actually my so this is this is honestly it's probably just an R shop thing. You've played at R shop a couple of times, but like we're just hostile to Nas. Like you, like saying, "Oh yeah, I I run Nas." And oh yeah, not being able to confidently say I am not on the card ad nauseum. Like that, that's there's social ramifications for that, right? In your experience, I don't people. I I'm loud and proud about the Nas. I just accept oh, that yeah. people punch me. Like you oh, know, yeah. I, I roll up with a Nala. Like I'm not fooling anyone. Like mm -hmm. 
you know, it's well, actually lately I've been on Mad Farm. That's so that goes in that goes into sort of the mid rangeification of Turbo a little bit. Yep. So the dead cards, unfortunately, so at the moment, and all is no longer my tournament deck. Unfortunately, I love oh, it, 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 it is oh, my no. favorite deck. I'll bring it back at some point for sure. Don't worry, I love it too much to not play it, but. Uh, right now I'm running into this issue where like you guys are right top pods good players uh, are very hostile to turbo like they you know they know the tricks and if I sit down across from three blue players and all of them know what Spellseeker does like it's you know I'm in for a bad time and to an extent even if I play even if I mulligan well and I get a good hand and I play you know as well as I can you know, I might still have a 0% chance to win that game. There may never be a window that I have, I'm able to take advantage of. Um, and so it's sort of come down to like turbo decks need some kind of backup plan. Um, for like pure turbo, I've started moving to Mardu just because their like counter, regular counter magic is not good enough to punch through on early turns anymore. Like you need Grand Abolisher or uh, Ranger Captain Abios, like these like one for silence, like these one for all pieces of interaction that say like, you know, if this resolves, I win. Oh, uh, Matt Farm's also like, you have Timna in the command zone like that. What better backup plan to have than casting the card Timna? Like, oh, it's a great backup plan. Yeah, the entire logic behind my deck choice is I'm gonna play a Turbonaz deck with card draw and removal in the command zone. It's, I, I think that's a great philosophy. Yep. I think that's a fantastic philosophy. It's it, it, It's been working well. I've been, uh, have not collected a 3-0 yet, but I've 2-1'd, I think, nearly every time I brought it. Damn. It's, uh, you do, I have started splashing a couple of mid-range cards. My favorite mid-range card, by far, is Blood Chief's Ascension. Uh, that tells you everything about me. That card is cracked. That's so good. card is sleeper cracked. I won a match a couple weeks ago, or, like, there's, like, a, like, stacks locked out board, and I couldn't win, and I'm sitting there thinking about it for a long, long time, and I'm like, wait a minute, I have grinding station and I'll, I have a dock set and have like grinding station and blood chiefs ascension on the board. I'm like, how can I get rid of all these stacks pieces? And I'm like, wait a minute. I just cast the dock side and then use all the treasure tokens to just kill two players. Um, I love that. With grinding station and blood oh, chief ascension. And I'm like, oh, now winning the game's easy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hold on. This card's, this card's kind of nice. It is the mid range killer, dude. So I, it's better Sarah ascendant, which is. Another one of my favorite, like, mid-range quote-unquote cards, I guess. Um, where it's, it's a one-mana card. It's super easy to invest into at any point in the game. And it just sits there. And it says, all right, I now have the inevitability. Like, unless somebody makes a proactive play against me, I have paid one mana to just, like, win the game if it goes long enough. And, like, that's sort of... That's my threshold, I guess, for mid-range cards that I like to bring into my turbo lists. Uh, I, I I guess that makes sense when when you're trying to have these cards be as flexible with each other as possible. Like the individual power level of a card needs to be like at an utmost premium. Because mm -hmm. these are cards that you're not tutoring for realistically. These are cards that just stumble into your hand. And you go, well, I guess I'm doing this now, right? Yeah. That's yeah. the that's the thinking. Mm -hmm. And the the Blood Chief Ascension is actually even better, like in Blue Farmer and Grixis, because you have Brain Freeze and Mnemonic Betrayal. Which, <laughs> yeah. which, which uh -huh. both just become combo pieces to win the game. So it's like, it's a combo piece. It's a stacks piece. Like I've stopped like Malcolm Glinthorn. They're like, oh, you die before, or I die before you do. And I'm like, yep, like go ahead and try. Um, all right. So that's great. That's great. <laughs> after, okay. Many sidetracks, card quality. So we have dead cards in Nas. That's just how it works. Uh, our cards are also just not as good in the long game. Dark Ritual, very explosive. 
it's not going to help me three or four turns down the line unless I do something very good with it. So that's where we get to cutting lands. Uh, we need, in mid-range, your inconsistency, or at least like some degree of it, is going to come from flooding. And so since Turbo Nas decks have this added inconsistency to their mid-range plan from these rituals, from these odd combo pieces that a mid-range deck wouldn't run because their card quality sucks, um, we just make up for that by cutting lands. And when we have these just literally bonkers, insane draw engines that let you emulate a mid-range deck, like just on their own, like the one ring, like, you know, classic stuff like Necropotence, like Talion if you have it, even stuff like, like Timna Jessica, just like, I win so many games just by drawing two cards every turn and blowing up my opponent's stuff every other round, like on curve. It's, and you just, you see so many cards that you get the one per turn you need and there's no need to have any more than one per turn. Like any more is a dead card. So you want to minimize the number that you see beyond that. And, and like also, you know, you hit a critical mass, five, six, seven mana. There's, you know, you're not doing anything that costs more than than seven mana in your turbo Nas deck you'll like, be able to cast every single spell that you see mark your words yeah exactly and so like you know there's also there's not really a need to to keep finding lands after that and so it sort of works out to where you're sort of like overclocking a crappy pc to keep up with a a good one if that makes sense we're just like no, that does that does we're spinning our rituals and our wheels and our op card advantage engines fast enough to keep up with the like gradual value that the mid-range decks can amass. So it seems like you've you've thought a lot about the counterplay to mid-range decks and this probably has a lot to do with like the, the like the singularity that we that we talk about quite a bit and then just like just the hell that everything is becoming like you said more blue farm-esque but mm -hmm. is that something that you deal with a lot in like your particular meta do you see a lot of mid-range that you have to like you as a, as a dedicated turbo player have to worry about fighting against i am the only i guess there's one other guy but he doesn't show up to our weeklies very often he occasionally will play in tournaments now i'm the only dedicated turbo player at my store um interesting okay and, and even that is like like i'm picking up this tim Jessica, you know like i'm <laughs> i'm falling it's not good um and you know it's and it has to do with the card quality too just like you know at a certain point a card is so good you put it in the deck no matter what kind of like obm like you know it's not a great turbo card but it combos with the wheels and it's op so our quality we put goes it in. up we love yep. that and so yeah so these as more and more like we literally like lose slots in our cdh decks whenever wizards does this right like obm comes out and like every deck with black and it just loses a slot and yep, you have to go well the bowmasters needs to fit in here somewhere gotta figure out where to cut it yeah. I'm just looking forward to the day when the RC's like, guys, there are so many dedicated slots. I guess we got to expand the cap to 120 and I get to play Yorion. That's Please, all no. I want. Please, yeah, I, I, no, think, I think that you should be allowed to play Yorion with 120 cards. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? If you if you ever pod with me, bring your 20 card sideboard. I'll let you uh, shuffle Done. up. I'll... Done. I'll have, it, I'll have it ready to go. <laughs> locked and loaded. One Four extra lands done. and the other 16 cards. What have you done? Oh, no. <laughs> That's the worst thing possible. Well, I think he's making his deck less consistent, right? There's got to be one of I, the best I also, cards. I also agree. He's <laughs> like, yeah, that's... Uh, I, my my card pool is high enough. I don't want <laughs> it to be consistent. Uh, as, as the format progresses more and more, I have so I have so much respect for the hundred card rule. Like that that is a fantastic deck building limitation. But it's also like you said, like every single time we get a new card, it's like, yep, this has to make the slot in. We're at like twenty must includes, not even in any color specifically. These are just 
you have these 20 cards in your deck. Figure the 80 out. Yeah, the, the One Ring is a card that you sort of... There's a handful of cards that I think of as like, you need a reason not to play them rather than a reason to play them. Mm -hmm. I have a good friend of mine is uh, playing Niv, Niv Control, and he is on a, uh, a Breachless list. And I'm like, okay, you know, I can understand some of the thoughts here, but like Underworld Breach is arguably the best card in our format. You need a really good reason to not mm -hmm. include it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you need to be. And so, and that's where I'm sort of sitting at with the one ring where I'm like, okay, a deck needs a reason to not include it rather than a reason to. Your, right, your reason is you just don't have one that the shop isn't allowing proxies. That's your reason. Yeah, there you go. Now go buy the bundle off Amazon or whatever. They're throwing these things at people. They are still 50 or 30. No, this one's $56, on, all right? Yeah, the um, ring is still expensive. It's still legal in every format still. It's it's wild and what's happening with it. Yeah, they're literally throwing them at people too. They were like in the gift bundles. They got reprinted in whatever the new is. Oh my goodness. Mid-range is, well, maybe not mid-range, but like green-based decks are finally getting a good card in uh, that Legolas's card. Legolas's... Oh, baby, let's go. That, oh, yeah. that card's kind of neat. I'm I excited for the first good blue card in a fat minute. That is uh, Tishana's. Whoa! Whoa! Don't laugh at No, no, no. It's true. Does, it's does, been a... does Talion not count? No, that's a blue black card. All right. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be able to play it. It's not a blue card, okay? That's a gold Okay, card. okay. No, Tishana's Tidebinder. You see this card spoiled for Mixalot? Oh, boy. I don't think so. Hold it on. is a. It is the same cost as Hole Breacher, so blue and two. It is the same stats as Hole Breacher, so. Okay, I don't like where you're going with this. <laughs> it has the same keyword as Hole Breacher, which is flash. Oh no. And it says stifle. Also, if the stifled effect belongs to an artifact, a creature, or a planeswalker, uh, that permanent is humility until Tashana's Tidebinder leaves the battlefield. Interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, the first good blue card in a minute. I'm very excited. Hmm. Card's kind of mid, not gonna lie. No, I'm I'm joking. That card, I'm I'm going to lose to this card. All you know what that card says? That says the one ring loses indestructible and cannot be tapped. That's what that card says. That is that says permanent. Okay. It does, okay. It is, yeah. board. All right. All right. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 The card's really cool. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to that. But but speaking of cards to look forward to, um, are there any new staples that you see coming out for Nas in the near future? Like it, like following spoilers and things like that. Yeah, the, the deck building at this point, like you have to be insane to stay on top of it all. It's ridiculous. That's okay. I, I have I have more questions we can fill the time while you're trying to find your train of thought. Yeah, I so I I I always view like the Nas player, the turbo player, as always the person that's like first to fire off in a pod. And I understand that like that's like not every single game like oh i have nas in my deck i have to be the first one to fire like i understand that's not the case like how do you how do you view like yourself in like uh, as 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 you said the, the turbo player how do you view yourself in most pods so you do have to like realize you are the threat and people are going <laughs> to treat you like the threat but like there are ways to play around it um so and a lot of the pod like a lot of it comes down to the pod comp which is one of the things i'm really enjoying about mad farm is that mm -hmm. i can 
I can sort of look at the pod comp and I can say, okay, I have a valid turbo plan if that's what I think is best. I have a valid mid-range plan if that's what I think is best. Because uh, there's there's pods where you want both. Um, mm-hmm. If you sit down and I'm looking at three mid-range decks, like, you know, I see Triple Blue, Tivit, Donwake, or Kenrith, something like that. Like, you know, I'm like, you know, my, my turbo win isn't resolving. Like, I'm just going to have to, I'm going to play it a little low and I'm going to go. So the most powerful play in CDH. Sorry, side tangent. Uh, this is, I guess, another sort of core of my deck building philosophy. There's no need to do 110% of a win. Like, putting in extra effort to do more than you need to is uh, is inefficient. And so the most powerful play that you really ever need to make in CDH in 99.9% of circumstances is uh, Cavern of Souls cast Grand Abolisher. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's... <laughs> There's really no need to try to do anything more powerful or more fancy than that. So I have a lot of my decks are sort of built with that, like, I can't... That's one thing. I think white... Ah, my, my conspiracy theory is that Mardu might be edging out Grixis. Um, white's, the, a, white's a hell of a drug. As it's a better, hell of yeah, a color. As the better color... Com- Dude, there's so many games where I'm sitting there with midrange, and I just... I put down Grand Abolisher, and they all look at their Fluster Storms and their Swan Songs and their, like, you know, Offer You Can't Refuse endurance it doesn't matter just like there's so few spells that deal with grand abolisher especially if it's with the protection of a cavern mm-hmm. like it's yeah it's very very hard to my big chopper bust basically yeah, yeah it's hard that's, that's your only game plan hard and subtlety there is i have gotten subtleted before subtlety oh man <laughs> that's awesome i've been looking at subtlety being like man maybe this card this card should be more considered for certain lists but i haven't made the jump and i haven't seen anyone else do it yet but that's awesome <laughs> i i don't know if i could recommend it but you know it it, it did work it did the thing um, as, as someone who really likes pot affecting a one dropping, just being like, I can just get Grand Abolish right here and just pivot into wherever. Like, I, I feel at home when I have cast Eldritch mm. Evolution or Birthing Pod. I'm like, yep, every creature at my fingertips right now. That's exactly what I want. Yeah, uh, yeah no, Grand Abolish is insane. The white cards are just insane. Like, like the amount of times that I just like, I, I get top deck silence, I'm like, oh, well, I try now, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's just insane. It's just insane. It's like, here's the button. You can now press it. Yeah, and it's so. Yeah, Grand Abolisher in particular too is just like, like the ability to go have four mana, go Grand Abolisher, Final Fortune, untap, win the game. Like, mm-hmm. oh, extra turn spells. That was something that you guys. Uh... Oh yes, I know that they're good. At least people tell me they're good. Tell me why they're good. Uh, okay. They say lose the game on them. That's why I'm very. <laughs> uh, well, you don't lose the game if you win the game. That's the cool part. Um, so we've talked. I've talked with you about the ladder of Grand Abolisher before, right? How Grand Abolisher is an insane card, and then we we want that effect. So we're like, okay, I'll play Ranger, and then you don't have white, so you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm playing Defense Grid. And then, like, I went as deep as playing Malevolent Hermit for the backside at one point. Um, Final Fortune is the ladder card for Dockside Extortionist. Um, it does a couple other things, but that's really, like, the big idea, is that... Tell me more. So... Okay, so some Nas 101, when you're casting Ad Nauseam, the most often you're going to win with three cards, either Dockside Extortionist, Underworld Breach, or Final Fortune. Um, those are the three, They all two mana, Final Fortune costs red red, but the other two are just one and a red. And so if you're ever casting an Ad Nauseam, you almost always want to float 
red and it casting and for that reason casting adnaz with a floating red will work like even as low as 20 life even in some greedy lists you can get very very close with it and so yeah to an extent it's just for untapping your mana after a Nas because you want to you want to win the game right yeah, now yeah you want to win the game if the ad nauseum resolved then you know the final fortune is probably going on probably re it's probably resolving as well mm -hmm. yeah. oh, okay no, and, I can I can get behind that. I can get behind that idea. And and so that's the reason that you'll see people run Warrior's Oath and Last Chance. Uh, those are exclusively worst Dockside extortionists. Like they're literally just like, oh, I need more mana to win the game. Sometimes you cast them to make an extra land drop. Sometimes you like Vampiric Tutor and then cast it, and then you get to you know draw and untap and then go for the win. Like there's there's good use for it. Uh, Final Fortune though is also just an amazingly flexible card. Um, one of my favorite things to do with it, uh, and this is a great way for the turbo players out there, if you need to sneak a win past those filthy mid-range players, you wait for them to tap out on end step to activate Thrasios or uh, Kinnon, whoever, whatever they're doing, you wait for them to tap out and then they say, go to mine and you go final fortune and you take a turn before they untap and they're really sad. <laughs> That's super real. I've got. I've been gotten by that. Like I think I was gotten by that exactly once. And every time now, if I think that a final fortune or some other like nutty end of turn play right before I untap is an option, I'm not holding like exactly force of will or pact of negation or something like that. I just don't like. I'll. I have. Yeah. I have two draws with Kenrith. I'll make one. I'll leave four mana available just for that exact reason because it is so potent. I. I have absolutely. So I haven't gotten that bad. Of fearing final fortune because i don't play blue so i'm like well if it's happening it's happening I'm like i'll uh we'll figure it out i guess uh i definitely slipped into the into the trap of like i can crack i can tap out and crack these clues right now or i can make sure i always hold up this open this path to exile or this other like removal spell in my hand in case someone tries to like sneak in past me like let's just keep open the mana yeah there's another really big one is it punishes cyclonic rift incredibly hard we were, yeah, we were talking about the ability to be explosive uh, control player taps out and puts every other permanent on the board in players' hands. You take a turn right there. You're winning the game. Like <laughs> you have two, yeah. you got two lands in play. Like replay that dockside extortionist or that mana crypt they just put back in your hand. Like you're having a good time. Like oh yeah, yeah. It also gets around Ranger Captain too. Is one that I've seen abused. For. It gets around Ranger Captain. So a card that I haven't gotten to test yet. I need to get a copy. But it's one of the cards I'm sort of excited for the interaction with. Is uh, everybody lives. Um, Everybody lives. Have you guys it's seen a, it? It's a Doctor yeah, Who card. It's a Doctor Who card. It's it's people were describing it as white uh heroic intervention. Yeah. So the most interesting if you're not playing ad nauseum, I don't think I would run it. Because the best response to that card, well you, you wait for it to resolve. But that card says players' life totals can't change. So if anyone else resolves it, I'm casting ad nauseum and I'm putting 90 cards in my hand. That's <laughs> wait, hold on, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> like and it's not even like uh Angel's Grace or that sort of thing where you end at one or you can you have to you know you can actually like lose the game immediately after whatever like nope your life total just can't change like so that's pretty neat and then playing around it with Final Fortune is also cool where you can say either in response to somebody else's or whatever but there's a lot of scenarios where you can say okay nobody wins the game this turn I'm taking the next window yeah that's so. really yeah that's really cool and so you're, you're saying you would consider playing that in a Nas list or you want someone else to play it for you if someone else plays it for me, I'm feeling so good. Like, <laughs> it's like, don't cast that into a Nas. Like, if your opponent can cast that nauseum, don't do it. Uh, I'm don't, don't cast the card. I need to do some testing. I'm, I'm seriously considering it. Because that's another thing where, like, that's sort of a, you know, white has wonky interaction, but, like, that's a really, really strong piece. I have actually, 
I mean, you can obviously, there's many decks that can set up to win on an upkeep, but like, I have genuinely not found a way to like win the game the same turn as the card that says, you know, can't win the game, can't lose the game, players have hexproof, life totals can't change. That's so like, funny. I actually have. <laughs> you have? Oh, I have. What's, what's, what's the tech? Get your monster. Uh, yeah. Those effects last until end of turn and cleanup step, those effects fade. Oh, so true. if you have something that can create a cleanup step trigger, papa, you're in business. Cool. Okay, so cleanup step. Yeah. Okay, in that case, like Necropotence decks and some other. Uh... Yeah, they have. Okay, one. yeah, there's yeah. definitely. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. You, you have you have wiggle room in that regards. I'm I'm a big fan of like the. Okay, I'm gonna set up like a hundred million treasures. I have a mayhem devil on the board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, once Try and breathe. I will. I will smite you. I will smite you. Yeah. Like in, in Anala, for example. Uh, you know, I've had people cast Angel's Grace, and I go, okay, cool, I'm gonna loot Praetor's Grasp and take all of your guys' libraries, right? You know, good luck. I've, you know, I win the game, right? But I, yeah. So the, the cleanup steps, but even that is like, that's very specific, that is. Yeah, it's really unique. It doesn't come up frequently, but I, no. I've, I've done it exactly once. Someone Angel's Graced me, and I I was able to respond with um, with some, ends, or some cleanup step shenanigans. Mm, drop with Kenrith and then get discard, yeah. Yep, yep. Mm, okay, I have one more little magic card I do want to talk about. Oh, let's hear because it. I, so I think it ties in with the low land counts and stuff. I think this card's pretty gas. Tie. I know what you're talking about. I was just going to say, Tied. I know, oh, my know what card you're about to talk about. because So we, we do have a, a a dedicated Nas player at our shop. His name is John. He has preached this card to me relentlessly. I kind of see it. I kind of see it. Okay, so first off... Like, we can just, you start talking about this card in a vacuum, like, you know, what, that's a lot of text, what does it do? This is one mana, instant speed, draw two cards that you know what they are. Like, just in a vacuum, that is very good. Like, you know, in 60 card, it's insane. In Commander, I think it's, even in CDH, I think it's still very serviceable. Oh, yeah, the card is really strong. I've actually been considering playing a copy in my list as well, just shaving one more land for it, but I don't think I can quite get away with <laughs> it, unfortunately. Yeah. And so my I'm list, I need to drop a land every like, time. and so, yeah, remember the theme, like, you know, a lot of our mana is in our artifacts. So we might, even if we're keeping up with mana every turn, it might not be through lands. So that's easy to catch up. We're on City of Traders. We're on Urza Saga. There's shenanigans you can do with fetches. This card is almost always live. You can almost always shenanigan away to tutor your cards. And then, like, if you have an opener that's like Command Tower, Fetch, and Tithe, you can, you know, Command Tower, you know, do your thing, whatever, play good esper sentinel and then turn one like play the fetch or turn two i'm sorry play the fetch and then use the fetch crack it if you need to to go below land count uh tap your command tower cast tithe fetch the badlands tutor your plateau and your uh scrub and all of a sudden you have like 19 lands left in your library on turn two and you are just going to draw all gas and you have your land drops for the next four turns or for the first four turns like you are not worried about that at all so hmm. Hmm, hmm. I like this episode is just like, oh, cool. I'm being slowly converted into turbo theory. Oh, we're, 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 this is a <laughs> massive learning lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's, that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this episode is like, I, me and you, Atlas, we we talk shit on the turbo players of the world. Oh, it's okay. Oh, we talk shit about you bit. too. And it's like everyone, everyone's talking shit about each other. Like, I think that's totally <laughs> fair. But I do think that there is a point where you have to go, okay, Explain the good parts to me. Like, what, where mm -hmm. can I learn from this? And I, I think that is way more important than anything else. Like, yeah, cash your ad nauseum, whatever. I still want to, like, know the theory behind it. It's just going to make me better at fighting it. Mm, then at the at the end of the day. We can talk about some mid-range ad nauseum theory, too, if you'd like. 
I would love to, because I, I have always been a, a quiet proponent for the end step nausea. Yes. That's, that's generally where I like to be. Like, I want to just add nausea. I want to draw whatever 10 cards, and I just want to continue going. Yeah, so that is a thing, is you can sort of, you can jump almost all of the hurdles of ad nauseum just by casting it on instep. That card says instant, you know, mm -hmm. like it's mm -hmm. good. And I think that it is especially powerful in, mid I think mid-range players should do this more um, because this is one of the like techniques that I use as a Nas player to get in wins that have gone past the early turns. And that is that ad nauseum is a fantastic decoy where you can end step it and you fight your counter war ever at ad nauseum and either it resolves. And even if you only draw five to 10, like find a piece or two of interaction, find another, find your land drop for that turn that you need to go off, find a rock, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be huge because you have basically just accrued enough resources. You have jumped yourself to that mid-range critical mass of resources that you need to force a win through if it's not countered. Or you mm -hmm. fight the counter war and then, oh, there's a big counter war of the win attempt. The next person to untap wins. Guess who that is, you know? Oh, wait a minute. Did I just do oh, that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, so, and so I would like Tivit. I'm a big fan of Ad Nauseam. And I think you should play it even though you don't have red. You have none of the big three that get us those, you know, main phase wins that we talked about, the dock side, the breach, or the final fortune, but just the ability to say, like, it's effectively taking two turns in a row, which is a very powerful thing to do in magic. And like Time Walk's a good card. Yeah, and turbo like these turbo decks will take it a step further. Like when you need to force a win through in turbo, you can end step Adnaz, untap, go for another win, that gets countered, you cast Final Fortune, you take another turn, and like boom, you you take three turns in a row and your cards are like underworld breach. Like reanimate all these cards buy each other back and just let you you know build up for literally like three turns in a row where you can just hammer through any window that's open to you hmm. okay yeah no that that makes a lot of sense to me again like I, I, a lot of the the attempts in baby pod is like i'm just gonna jam my window because i'm casting creatures are you are not interacting with creatures most of the time like the one like non-creature that i need to cast like I've got another one waiting in the wings. Like, this is just like, if it lands, cool. If not, I'm going to be trying again. Yeah, it's... So, like, a lot of that makes sense to me. Yeah, it's a lot of the... Funnily enough, so my brother is a Naya player. He's a, mm. he's a Minsk main. Uh, ooh, okay. Ooh, yeah, and okay. It, it is funny how much, like, Inala and Minsk have in common. We have talked a lot of deck building theory together because we're like, wow, we're both these, like, you know turbo decks with all these dead cards and a lot of the and, you know without the interaction without the stuff to keep up with proper mid-range decks and so a lot of the theory does translate directly across even though you might not think naya and grixis are similar color combinations i mean the, the difference is like you're trading uh like counter spells for the white spells that's the that's the trade-off yeah and i mean my favorite right now is these white interaction spells on the rakdos engine like mardu i'm loving it Oh god, white white has some of the cleanest removal spells. I I love white. Like Path to Exile, love it. So uh, touch the. Are you on? You're on Touch the Spirit Realm. Anything I'm you play on, white in? I'm on Touch the Spirit Realm. Yep. Oh baby, touch, Soul Partition. Mm, love it. Love these spells. Love these spells so much. It just it makes everything so much easier. I had a great game. For, so I had a Grand Abolisher out, and nobody could remove it, but somebody had a. It was last week. Somebody had the Dranith out that was preventing me from winning. And I'm looking at these three blue players and I'm like, well, you know, they're going to do their thing. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to channel touch the spirit realm on end step targeting the uh, thing. And they all just look at their counter magic and it's like, no, it doesn't matter. Like, Fluster Storm <laughs> doesn't stop that. <laughs> yep. You, yeah, the deck is sort of, that's, 
unfortunately, if you want to be like a more honest turbo player and not flex into these like mid-rangey lists, like which ultimately accumulate and go play blue farm at some point, I do think white is where it's at. I think white is just so much better for getting those early wins. Uh, Absolutely. In an agree. I, I, I agree. Grix is probably still better color combination overall. Lots of OP cards over there, but I think for the way I, for the way I play Magic, Mardu may be better. It, what is like Turbo at the end of the day? Like you mainly just need red in the color combination, uh, color combination, right? Like you can like do so, Turboy stuff, right? Generally, you want to be on red black. I think is the yeah. core. So I don't think people even use the acronym anymore. But for a while, the archetype was called Bad Breach Ad Nauseum Doxide. I, no, I I remember that. Like when I first got into CDH, I heard the term Bad Onion. I had to explain to him like, oh, that's just like Turbo though. Yeah, well, because that was. That was, yeah, that was before that even just became the de facto turbo deck. That was just like yeah. the core of cards that, that people built around. So that's basically what you need. There's sort of, I have, oh, I should dig it out and give it to you guys. I do have a Nas primer, uh, still a little bit work in progress, but I have a list of like, you know, the staples, like your optional cards, what you want to, if you want to build your own Nas deck, how to incorporate the package into whatever list you may want. Hmm, interesting. But yeah, mostly the fast mana and the cards you mentioned. Okay. And Ad Nauseum. And Ad it all It all revolves around that. Uh, we're Adnaz is still like the best, like one of the like top five things to be doing in the format. You would say, right? I th I still feel like it kind of is. I think so. Oh, that's a yeah, you guys could do a podcast episode all on its own for that one. Um, yeah. What are the five most powerful things to be doing in CDH right now? There is only one answer. It is underworld reach. The one ring. The one ring is up there. The one ring is. Yeah. No, there. the one ring is like. But no, I think it's probably like easily probably like six. breach the ring. Nas, um, mm -hmm. those three in no particular order. Yeah. Um, and then after that, Rhystic Study? Rhystic Study? Yeah. Rhystic Study, yep. Yeah, I say I, I, would, I would lump together Rhystic Study and Fish into like kind of the same category. They mm -hmm. do different things, but they perform the same function of just draw cards for your opponent playing the game. Like, they're the best, they're the best things that do it. Um, yeah, I guess it's sort of a cheaty answer to the question, but like more broadly, I guess there's like three good things I think you can do in CDH right now. I think you can play a black red core and try to go fast. I think you can play a blue black control core like Esper. And I think that you can play a, a blue green like Neoform Eldritch Evolution midrangey Thrasios or uh, Kenrith type list. I think those are the big three sort of archetypes that aren't, you know, carried by an individual commander. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty correct. I can agree with um, that. I think, I I think agree with that, yeah. most of the most of the stuff that's tied in to like the what's considered classically like at this point like top sixteen like top tier commanders probably hits all those niches. I don't know. Yeah. I th the... Oh, there's a lot of decks that can overlap too. Like yeah, blue, I was gonna blue say, farm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue farm yeah. can do the blue black or the red black thing. Like almost like equally well. I was like, like Najila does kind of like the green blue red black thing. <laughs> Just does. Yeah, but they still run Grand Abolisher, right? Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Well, yep. it's free it's and white. <laughs> yep. Oh my goodness. Five color OP. Five color is pretty OP. Yeah. I haven't quite gotten there yet. I'm still stubborn on four. <laughs> one day he'll take up he'll take up one more color and I probably cards. Probably. I'm a big three color fan. I think that I I like three color a lot. Continue though. I was gonna say I think that three color is like what you need to have a like complete robust CEDH game plan. I think if you're in one or two colors, then to some extent you are relying on the power of your commander, which is like not 
inherently a bad thing, but like it's a weakness you need to be aware of, right? Three colors mm-hmm. is when you can have like a coherent 99 that plays the game. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, and I think like as we as we continue to see more and more stuff get released, I think that's that's gonna only continue to be the case because as we get more and more of these like we were saying staple cars that just kind of delete slots in people's lists, you're gonna see more and more coherent. 99 builds um, in three, four, and five color, whereas like in order to keep up with that, one color, two color commanders are gonna have to be substantially stronger. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I know it's Boros, but like remember, how, like Winota had so much text, right? Like that card. Winota is still a house. You still yeah. have to be like prepared. For yeah, it. It, yeah, it's still irrelevant. It's a Boros deck, and they just put so much card text on that commander like so anything can jump to being viable but yeah just mental words you want to print on the magic card that are good mm-hmm. all right well i think i'm just about tapped out here yeah thank you sam for coming on the coming on the pod and chatting with us about ad nauseum thanks for having me i uh it was a lot of fun yeah the floor is yours if you got things you want to plug Oh boy, alright, so shout outs to ABU Games, uh, my local store, come play in Boise if you're ever there, we do CDH on Thursdays, uh, shout outs to the Playtest group, if any of them are listening to it, I'll probably throw this in the Discord and say, hey, go listen to me talk about Ad Nauseum even more, they're a great help, they uh, always generating good ideas, uh, I think that's it for me, oh, and I, I guess, yeah, find me find me on the internet, I'm Frosty or Frosty with an EH, I'm sure there'll be links somewhere around, you can go see all the deck lists we've talked about. Toss yes, the yes. links you want to put in. They'll be in the description in the show notes. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us, Sam. I loved having this conversation. I learned a lot. I gained some perspective I felt like I was missing. Atlas, as always, love talking magic with you. Been a pleasure as always. All pleasure. Right. And to our listeners, we'll catch you next time. <laughs>